0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Julius Bear's Moving Markets Podcast. It's Friday, 19th of May, and my name is Mike Rauber. Coming up today, I'll be talking to Roman Kanziani about the latest market news, including, of course, what has happened in the markets. And we're also joined by Tim Gege from the Currency Desk in Geneva and Carsten Menke for what is making headlines in digital assets. So let's get started. I'm pleased to have Roman Canciani, our Head of Investment Writing, on the show today. Good morning, Roman. Good morning, Mike. Sentiment across developed markets seems to have improved materially this week. The S&P 500 index is trading at a nine-month high, with traders seemingly getting relaxed about the state of the economy and the still-looming banking crisis. What do you see in the newswires about that?
1: Absolutely. Well, the news flow this week across developed markets in uh, in equities has been on the positive side of things, of course. Uh, I think the most encouraging news here is that U.S. politics becomes serious about uh, tackling the debt ceiling issue. According to people involved in discussions, Speaker McCarthy and Senate Majority Leader Schumer are making plans for votes in the coming days on a bipartisan deal to avert a potential default on the U.S. looming in the first days of June. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has repeatedly warned that the world's biggest economy could be hurt materially if there was no solution found to raise the debt limit of the nation. And a solution seems pretty urgent, as the amount of money available to pay bills has already dwindled to the lowest since December 2021, according to a Bloomberg report. Interesting. So good news from that side. However, I see that yields of
0: US government debt have spiked over the past days, Has that to do with the lower probability
1: of the US defaulting on its debt? Well, it's difficult to clinch this one piece of news to move in yields. Pretty strong incoming economic data in the US have also been a mover for yields over the past few days. It seems that the market is not so sure anymore whether the Federal Reserve will actually pause their rate-hacking path in its upcoming June meeting. According to futures data, about 40% of market participants actually expect the Fed to hike again by 25 basis points, with the rest believing that they will prefer to wait and see. All in all, I think that the market is readjusting its views on the US monetary policy trajectory going forward. At the current point in time, the higher for longer narrative is dominating investors' minds, and that's why yields have been on the up this week. So with yields and stocks up over the
0: past days, what's the current state of play in numbers?
1: Well, uh, as you said in the beginning, the S&P 500 index yesterday closed at its highest level in nine months, ending the day up 0.9%, driven mainly by tech, telecom and consumer discretionary stocks, which on average added more than 1.5%. Real estate, consumer staples and utilities were lagging yesterday. Uh, Yields shot up over the course of the day, with 10-year treasuries yielding higher by eight basis points and two-year up by even more. Action in the fixed income market, though, has calmed a bit overnight, with the two-year trading at 4.25 and the 10-year at 3.64 this morning in Asian trading. Uh, Staying with Asia, I saw that markets keep on going up, uh, at least outside of China and Hong Kong. What's the latest there? Yes stock markets in Asia have not really been able to continue the momentum of Wall Street especially China sees lower stock prices this morning with Hong Kong's Hang Seng index 1% in the plus, in the minus actually led by its tech giants uh, Alibaba was the one one of the stocks leading the decline as it dropped in the wake of disappointing sales that add to signs of the China after covid rebound faltering Data this week in China showed that activity in, the chi- in China's economy is losing a bit of momentum with private firms barely increasing investment and households cutting back on goods buying. Meanwhile, the rally in Japan continued, with the Nikkei closing up by almost 1% again. News there was that Japan's inflation re-accelerated in April after cooling earlier in the year, likely supporting views that the central bank there may have to revise its outlook, bringing the Bank of Japan a step closer to policy normalization. Uh, Right, and so looking forward, uh, what does the day ahead hold for investors? There's actually... A few things to look out for, one is of course the ongoing G7 summit in Hiroshima where it was decided yesterday to increase pressure on Russia with additional sanctions and where Ukrainian President Zelensky is expected to show up in person too. Another interesting thing today is that equity trading volumes are expected to rise exponentially in the US as 1.7 trillion US dollars worth of derivative contracts tied to stocks and indices are scheduled to expire. This typically obliges traders to either roll existing positions or start new ones, leading to a spike in trading and sudden price swings. In economic data, there's not that much actually, except for German PPI data this morning, which uh, came in... Uh, higher than actually expected. Month-on-month data for April has come in at 0.3% versus the expected minus 0.5%. So things seem getting more expensive still in Germany. Super
0: interesting, or maybe also worrying. But anything else to mention here?
1: Well, overall, European shares are up this morning on the optimism for a breakthrough in US debt ceiling talks. And US futures are also slightly in the plus, so we can expect a pretty positive Friday, at least to start with. Watch closely the 4200 points mark in the S&P 500 this afternoon, uh, as this has been mentioned by several technical analysts as the level to overcome to see an acceleration in the upward trend of stocks. That's it from me.
0: Great. Thanks a lot, Roman. Uh, very interesting and for this uh, overview. Now we turn to Tim Gege from FX and Precious Metal Solutions in Geneva. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Mike. We've seen some dollar strengths in the U uh, this week. So quite a correction from what the story has been over the last few weeks. I guess that's kept you
2: busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Uh, the initial corrective move that we saw last week has turned into something a little bit deeper than we might have expected, although I do still believe it's a pullback rather than a change in trend. There are two factors at work that I can see. One is the debt ceiling discussion, which, as I mentioned last week, I do not take seriously at all. It's all brinkmanship and basic negotiation tactics between two groups of people who are much less clever than they think they are. But I do think some in the market were taking it seriously. I read quite a few pieces about it, but now it sounds much more on the right track. So those investors are, again, less nervous of the dollar. The second element, as always, is the Fed. And they have been a little bit more hawkish overall. Indeed, for the next Fed meeting, there is actually a 25% chance of a rate hike. I don't think it will happen. I don't think anyone thinks that. But a week or so ago, this chance was sat firmly at zero. So it shows a little shift there.
0: Mm, And looking at the screen, it was really an across-the-board move in the dollar. Any particular standout currencies to mention?
2: Well, I think the euro suffered quite significantly, kind of makes sense, as it had really outperformed earlier on the basis of a more hawkish ECB. Here, the pullback is all the way to 107.50, which is basically exactly halfway between the top and the bottom of the range so far this year, which simplistically is 105 to 110. I would really expect us to see some support pretty soon and some buying interest in the euro, as even with a mildly more hawkish Fed, the reality of what is coming next has not really changed. Sterling initially held up much better, but has come back more into line, while the best performing currency in the majors anyway was probably the Canadian dollar, and a couple of emerging market currencies did quite well as well. The Aussie dollar, one of our favourites, unfortunately did not really do the business at all this week, although it has held firm above 0.66 versus US dollar, and we would still look to get long or stay long around here. The worst of all were the Scandinavian currencies, and the yen. The Scandies are just horribly undervalued, but there is just no demand and it's a very difficult situation. At some stage, this surely has to be an opportunity, but we have thought that for a while now and it has just proved not to be the case at all. While the yen, as my colleague put it yesterday, appears not only to be another country but on another planet and I've just entirely given up trying to understand at what point we might see a stronger yen.
0: So then we're moving away from currencies, uh, the dollar is also a very important driver of precious metal. So did the same sort of thing also happen to, to them?
2: Yeah, very much so. Silver had been under pressure all week. And we were concerned that this was a bit of a canary in the coal mine for metals generally. I think I spoke last week about the gold to silver ratio. And gold, sure enough, really caught up quite dramatically this week. It dropped about $70 since Tuesday here I think the twin stories of debt ceiling and a less dovish Fed are even more potent. There have probably been some buying of gold for safe haven reasons, which has fallen away as the market believes the so-called crisis of debt ceiling will be averted. Meanwhile, like all metals, gold yields zero. So the opportunity cost of such a position is much higher resulting in some sharp selling as uh, people feel a bit more relieved and start to think a little bit more about yields perhaps not falling as quickly as they might have anticipated. We do expect some support at 1950, but as I have said for really quite a while, such moves above 2000 that we've seen recently needs to be sold into for long positions, leaving profits yet again on the table for a zero yielding asset just does not make sense to me at all, although I would, of course, never be short metals.
0: And lastly, you've talked about platinum a few times on this
2: podcast before. Is it the same story there? Actually, a bit less so. Platinum is still quite a bit cheaper than gold. And I think it has a lot more upside potential. I'm not sure I'd buy it here. But if we get back to around 1,000, let's say, I would not hesitate. Before, we suggested taking profits above 1,100 for those who are long. So far, this looks like the right strategy, much as like with gold. When you have such a big gain, I think it's nice to take it, although uh, I think the, um, the ceiling is a bit less obvious here. And I would definitely want to re-enter such a position, as I do still believe platinum is a really interesting position to hold, but rather get in around 1000. Nonetheless, if gold and silver do start again, their descent, then platinum will probably follow along to some degree. So I would not want to be buying straight away. So I think that's it for me. Thank you for having me on the podcast, Mike. Thank you everyone for listening. I wish you a happy Friday and an excellent weekend. Thank
0: you to you too, Tim. And thanks so much as always.
2: And now moving to the world
0: of crypto. I'm delighted to be joined by Carsten Menke, our head of Next Generation Research. Good morning, Carsten. Hello, Mike. Good morning. So to start, during the past few weeks, US regulation has been a recurrent topic for digital assets, and you have pointed out that the debate is increasingly politicized. So what are the latest developments?
3: The past few weeks have been characterized by harsh statements and measures against several players in the digital asset space. The Commodity Futures Trade Commission, the Securities Exchange Commission and the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the institutions in charge of oversight in the U.S., have been pressuring many players in the digital asset space, driving some of these too close to capitulation.
0: And staying with regulatory aspects, Binance U.S., has been hitting the headlines lately. Following the collapse of FTX last year, the company looked like a potential winner. But things seem to have changed due to the regulatory headwinds. What's going on?
3: Well, indeed, uh, Binance is is one of these uh, companies which is in the regulatory spotlight. Um, Remember, um, this is a part of the bigger Binance, which only serves the US market. Uh, So they are in focus of US regulation. And the company had a promising plan following the FTX collapse, attempting to shore up the crypto space in the US. They planned to purchase some of Voyager Digital Assets, which is a crypto lender that filed for bankruptcy in 2022 and was taken over by FTX that year. However, as the regulatory times were toughening for Binance US, it called off the purchase.
0: Hmm, This very much sounds like that regulatory headwinds in the US will persist. No, Indeed. However, there was also some good news as some well-established institutions teamed up to form the Canton Network.
3: What is this? Well, the Canton Network is an alliance of 30 companies, among others Goldman Sachs, Deutsche Bank, S&P Global, Moody's and Microsoft. They want to use blockchain technology and smart contracts to increase the transparency and efficiency across financial operations, including the shortening of settlement times of securities trades, or reducing the origination time of bonds so considering that it still takes well 2 or 3 days to settle a security transaction and that the origination of a bond is very time and cost consuming we see quite a bit of potential in the project
0: i see but uh, how much does such a project in terms of the future performance of uh, digital assets have an have an impact does it move prices or you don't think so
3: Well, I'd say rather not. Maybe it lifts the sentiment in the space a little because there's positive news. But in terms of changing the underlying fundamentals, I'd I'd see a limited impact at best. So from my point of view, regulatory policy and monetary policy will remain in the driving seat of digital assets for now.
0: Thank you, Carsten. Very interesting. And thanks for joining the show. So that's all for today. Thanks again to Roman, Tim and Carsten for the conversation. And thank you all for tuning in. Do join us again on Monday when Bernadette will be back and she'll be talking to more colleagues, including our head of technical analysis, Menzo Pocinci. But until then, have a great day. Bye for now.
2: The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information
1: beyond markets is a weekly podcast where julius Baer experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments they share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice search for beyond markets on your favorite podcast player